Crowder, played by Westbrook. Ginobili for three, yes! One point lead for San Antonio. Terry, a long three, bang! Jason Terry gives the Mavericks a seven point lead with 33 seconds remaining. Zimmers bringing in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh my goodness. Hello and everyone and welcome to another episode of the Six Man Podcast. I am your host, uh, Cam Koenig, here broadcasting live from uh, Wrigleyville, Chicago, Illinois. Joining me with, joining with me tonight uh somewhere off the campus of indiana university purdue university indianapolis is zachary barnett zach how are you doing today you know better than the iupui basketball team they get a win last week and then immediately get spanked by the penguins of youngstown state so um, hey first division one win we take those yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you really can't complain too much, but uh, I, I still want to. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it, it's a growing team. You know, that's kind of what their coach has been preaching all year is patience from the players. So I give them a couple of years. They'll be back to their, you know, 18 and 15, 18 and 12 kind of seasons where they can, like, start to maybe get some momentum in recruiting and things like that. Well, that's really all I can ask for, uh, especially in a, in a league like the Horizon League. Um, so we are recording this on Monday, February the 21st. We are uh, officially less than a month away from the kickoff of uh, March Madness, the kickoff of the tournament. We have been wanting to do an episode like this for quite a while. Um, this is basically going to be our... If you haven't paid attention to college basketball at all this year, now is a good time to start. This is going to be our our primer for the last month of the season. There are some important games still to be decided uh, with about, you know, anywhere from a week or so to two weeks left of conference play. We're rolling into conference tournament time. uh, And, you know, sooner than later, you will be, filling out your bracket for your work uh, office bracket challenge. And we're here to help you for this. Um, But first things first, there is one thing that has kind of been dominating the past 24 hours in college basketball. That is the the melee, the ruckus, the fricassee that happened at the end of the Michigan-Wisconsin game. Um, if, if If you hadn't seen it, Wisconsin won that game by about 15 points. However, um, Michigan kept their starters in basically the entire game. They were pressing Wisconsin's reserves in the last minute of the game. Greg Gard called a timeout in order to help set up an offense to break that press. Michigan coach Juwan Howard had a little bit of a uh, issue with that, to say the least. Um, And in the handshake line 
Juwan Howard said something along the lines of, uh, we'll, we will remember that shit. And he tried to blow past Greg Gard. Greg Gard kind of held him up for a sec, like, yo, what do you mean? Here's what I was thinking. Uh, one thing led to another. Juwan Howard slapped a assistant head coach from Michigan. Um, you had another assistant coach or uh, uh, from Wisconsin. You had another assistant coach from Wisconsin doing the uh, suck it chant at the at the at the Michigan bench as they walked away. Um, just an ugly scene, all in all. Uh, Zach, did you did you see that video that was posted of the kind of like the the, the Zapruder film of this uh, of this little encounter between Juwan Howard and Greg Gard? I did not. I uh, I watched the end of that game, and then of course the uh, you know everybody posted the highlights, the 25, 30 seconds of the spat there. This kind of reminds me of when George Bush had a shoe thrown at him when he was like in the courtroom in Iran or whatever. Like that's what this like kind of feels like, where it's like you know kind of dumb but also kind of hilarious at the same time. I mean, obviously at this point it's not funny for Juwan Howard, but uh, I thought I find it quite amusing. Uh, Wisconsin had what was coming to them, so I'm kind of happy for it, honestly. Yeah, as a neutral in this and as a fan of a team, well, as a fan of a team that has been beaten by both of these teams, as a fan of a team that had Wisconsin players uh, kind of, you know, Playing the heel, uh, if we're going to continue the wrestling comparisons, when they beat Indiana at Assembly Hall um, a couple weeks ago. This is, I'm going to put it this way, this is going to sound bad, but Greg Gard and Wisconsin kind of have like a rap team thing going for them. Uh, this is kind of how they've been playing, especially if you're Brad Davison all year where they're going to get in your face and they're going to, you know, try and cause a reaction of some kind, just to kind of like some mind games. You know, Brad Davidson has been pointed out that he kind of is a, may or may not be a bit of a flop artist uh, when he, you know, his um, proficiency in drawing charges. Uh, But it is what it is. Um, Juwan Howard has been suspended for the rest of the, of Michigan's regular season, which I believe it's five is games. Five games. Um, Michigan is eight and seven in the Big Ten right now. They are fourteen and eleven uh, here going into the tournament. We'll talk about it here in a second. I do think you know Michigan has. They have. They're playing against what I consider five tournament teams to end their season. It's going to be tough without Juwan Howard, but they have opportunities to pick up some really quality wins uh, with four of those games being at home uh, to end the rest of the regular season. Yeah, with this, I think, uh, you know, in the NBA, you don't need a head coach usually. I mean, we've seen that time and time again where just players can take over games. But in college basketball, usually the talent pool is so balanced especially in these major conferences where pretty much everybody has a similar talent level overall um, from players like three through seven you know and because of that balance you know the coaching you have plays a major role Um, so we'll see 
Uh, Michigan has some good assistant coaches, though, so I'm not super worried about. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, I will say Michigan does have probably the best assistant head coach uh, in the game in, oh, what's his name? In Phil Martelli. Um, if there's anyone who can lead that, uh, you know, lead that roster without Juwan Howard, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be him. He's got, I, I mean, this is going to be a good opportunity for him. I do think Michigan is going to, I think the players are going to respond to this. They have, you know, their next game, they have two, their next two games are against Rutgers and Illinois. Um, like I said, they have a thing with Illinois. That's going to be an interesting game as well. But like I said, I think it's a fair suspension in the long run. Um, but with that out of the way, we are going to kind of dig in, dive in headfirst, really, to the the state of college basketball with a month, with a, a le- just under a month left before Selection Sunday. Um, we're going to start, we're going to talk about the power conferences, we're going to talk about the major conferences, we're going to talk about it all, really. Um, so how we're going to do this, we're basically just going to give you, get you up to speed a little bit, give you the heads up, like, hey, here's at the, here's who's at the top of the conferences. These are the teams that are probably, that you're probably going to be seeing um, in March. I'm not going to talk about them all. We certainly don't have that kind of time. Um, but if something comes up, we will certainly spend a, a minute or two talking about a team if we have something to add. Um, Zach, are you ready? Are you strapped in? I, I've done limited research. I've watched a lot of college basketball, so I'm hoping my, you know, my hours so I spent at work kind of compiling my thoughts and what games I've watched, which is quite a bit of, uh, you know, non-Power 5 schools basketball teams is, uh, you know, the ESPN Plus value, you know, paying six ninety nine a month for that and uh, watching every basketball game possible. So I'm hoping that, like, I have just enough to keep up with you on this. That's good to hear. So we're going to start with the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, I I am thinking I'm seeing about five teams that I think are locks for the tournament. I don't necessarily I, I don't necessarily think the bubble is really going to affect the ACC that much unless there's like a really really bad loss from one of these teams. But the teams I have I have Duke, who are probably going to be a one or a two seed, and then you have Notre Dame, Miami, North Carolina, and Wake Forest. Um, all of those teams are sitting in like the 12 and four, 11 and six in conference, uh, Notre Dame, Miami, and North Carolina are all 19 and eight, uh, Wake Forest is 21 and seven. I would say they're definitely a lock. They picked up a really good win against Notre Dame. They almost knocked off Duke. They almost knocked off Miami. They have wins against North Carolina, um, This is the one thing I will say. I don't have much to say about the ACC. I do think, though, it's been a down year for the ACC. And that's that's kind of weird considering the expectations, the tradition, the just the overall level of talent, of coaching talent that is in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Obviously, this being Coach K's last year before John Shire takes over, he has Duke right now as the only ranked team 
in the ACC this year. Um, obviously, that's bolstered by likely top three, top four pick uh, Paolo Bancaro. They're getting really good games out of uh, Wendell Moore, who I think is going to be, um, you know, a, an NBA draft pick this year. But the ACC, I think overall, top to bottom, much, much weaker than it has been in previous years, especially considering Virginia Tech, Syrac or, I'm sorry, Virginia, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Louisville, Georgia Tech, all on the outside looking in going into uh, the last week of February, Zach. Yeah, and one of the teams I really want to highlight here is the uh, Florida State team. I was really high on them coming into the year, and they've really disappointed me. Um, obviously, they hung that banner up. This was like uh, we were top four, or whatever, when the season ended, and you know everybody's memed about that. But um, really, I think Florida State's been a pretty big disappointment. And then on the flip side, Wake Forest on uh, Steve Forbes' second year after taking over for Danny Manning has been uh, amazing. He has yeah. been uh, really good, and honestly, this is probably probably the best year they've had since uh, Chris Paul played in the Wake Forest. Yeah, I, I think um, so. I, I think this de definitely the work that Steve Forbes has done at Wake Forest. I think puts him in, if you want to call it, like the top five for National Coach of the Year. Um, I certainly think you know it should be between like him and Bray for coach of the year in the ACC. Um, but yeah, talking about Florida State, they came into this season, I think, pretty much projected to be one of the top two teams in the league, right up there with Duke, you know, and they're sitting at seven to nine in conference. They had a six game losing streak uh, there. They're 14 and 12 uh, overall. They don't necessarily have a marquee out of conference win. Uh, I would say their best out-of-conference win is at Mizzou. So, you know, this is a team that has certainly, you know, the Leonard Hamilton has had a recipe for success the past couple years. Um, you know, they haven't necessarily had the star power, even though they have had really high draft picks in uh, Patrick Williams and Scotty Barnes. Um, a lot of those guys are based off of potential, and you just haven't necessarily seen that same player really kind of take over at Florida State this year. Yeah, and I mean, similarly, Louisville, um, who many kind of predicted would be middle of the pack, I think has still been pretty disappointing for their standards, only 12 and 14. Exactly. Um, Louisville, actually, they do not have anyone averaging more than 10 points a game. Yeah. Which um, is pretty surprising for a Division One college basketball. I mean, that's pretty surprising for a high school basketball team. Really. Yeah, you, you think about all the talent that they've put, put through that program over the years. Obviously, they've had their fair share of uh, off-the-court issues. So I imagine that that's played a major role in why the team struggled this year. Um, but, you know, ACC tournament, you know, you, you always have a surprise team who wins a couple of games, whether it's uh, yeah. Georgia I mean, Tech, NC uh, State. Yeah. Georgia Tech won the thing last year. Um, I think this is probably Duke's tournament to lose. Um, I think Duke's just the the most talented team by yes, a mile. Absolutely. 
but it's not really that close. I mean, North yeah. Carolina is probably second, but they don't play like a team. So if you look at it, um, you know, Duke's they, their three conference losses have been by a combined total of four points: two to Miami, one to Florida State, one to Virginia. Um, I think if you look at like some of their challengers, you know, probably Wake Forest. I would say, you know, they had that two-point win over Wake Forest. Um, Miami is is has been really good against them. So we'll we'll see how the ACC tournament plays out. I think it's probably going to come down to seeding for them because if, if everything kind of stays the same, Duke may have to play like North Carolina or Wake Forest in the semifinals, which could get very interesting if like Notre Dame and Miami are on the other side of that uh, that bracket for them. Yeah, and like let's not factor out Virginia too, who just historically yeah. gets better in tournament time. I mean, they're like the Michigan State of the coast, so. Exactly, and I do think, like, if there's a team that could potentially work its way into the tournament from the ACC, um, I think it is Virginia. They have a big game against Duke on Wednesday. Then they play Florida State, then they finish up at Louisville. So I think if you can get a win against Duke, I think Virginia could really, um, you know, could really get itself – closer to a bid, especially if they combine that with a solid conference tournament run. Yeah, and speaking of Virginia, let's uh, pivot now to the Big 12, I think, is the next conference up, if I'm not mistaken. Smooth transition. Yeah, uh, West Virginia being the biggest disappointment <laughs> in the Big 12. It, yep. You know, um, obviously we should probably talk about highlights first, but I really want to talk about West Virginia, because I, again, was super high on this team coming into the year. This yeah. shows, like, how unpredictable college basketball is. Exactly. And, and West Virginia has some really good wins. Um, you know, they have a win against Pittsburgh. They have wins against Clemson, UConn, uh, at UAB. Um, they have beaten Iowa State. But they all, they're 3-10 and 10 in conference. The Big 12 – Easily, I would say the strongest conference from one to, from top to bottom, um, and I, I think that you can kind of guess that based off of the, you know, I, I think the four teams who are solidly in the tournament for the Big 12. That's Kansas, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Texas. Kansas looks like it's going to win yet another regular season Big 12 tournament, and then you kind of have everybody else in the Big 12, and I do think there are three teams that have a shot of getting in that are just kind of jockeying for position at this point. And I think that's TCU, uh, Iowa State, who had a very had an incredible non-conference um, schedule, but struggled at the beginning of conference tournament. But then they picked up a huge win against the last team on my list, and that's Oklahoma, who I, even though they have a 14 and 13 record, I wouldn't necessarily count Oklahoma out if they can uh, if they can finish strong. They have you know Oklahoma has wins against Florida. They have a win against Arkansas. Um, they have that win. They have a, they kind of split with Iowa State. They have they've beaten Texas Tech. They have a chance to again probably make another deep run into the tournament. Um, but if we're talking about it, you know you have. I think three teams in the Big 12 who could, maybe two teams in the Big 12 now with um, Baylor's injury to 
uh, Chachuma Chenwe. I, I know I'm mispronouncing that, but that's as good as an opportunity as you're going to get. But Kansas, again, has been uh, really good. They're getting, I, you know, a potential player of the year performance out of Ochai Abaji this year. And Texas Tech, who I think has been a little bit of a surprise. You know, they had the good roster. Um, Chris Beard left to go coach Texas. But they have really, uh, that team has really, um, uh, has really found some momentum coming out of their previous years. And I think Texas Tech is a team that could, you know, is a really big threat to make another Final Four run uh, this year. Um, they, they've just, they've been playing really well. They're getting really good contributions out of, out of uh, everybody on that team. Um, they're eighth in net at the moment in the net rankings. They're 10th uh, in Ken Palm. They're second in adjusted defense. Um, and I, I think that's really how you know, Texas Tech could really be a threat going forward to some of these other top teams. Oppositely, I think Texas is not really a threat. Um, I have watched a lot of Longhorns basketball because that's usually what the, you know, our school has on because whenever uh, we're in the campus center or whatever. And I know Texas has beat Kansas and they've beat Iowa State pretty soundly. They have that win early in the year or early this year against Tennessee. But I swear every time I like watch a Texas game, they get up 10 to 15 and then they blow a lead and it ends up being a one or two point game, whether they win or lose and come tournament time. That's just not how things are going to work for them. You know, they blew it against Seton Hall early in the season. Um, And then of course their game against Gonzaga, which they led most of the way. And then Gonzaga Mm -hmm. tore them to shreds at the end. Yeah, I, I think the the problem with Texas is I, I you don't really get too consistent of scoring from them. It's like if Courtney Ramey or Andrew Jones is off, um, you know, then they, I think they sometimes struggle to. Um, struggled to find offense from other, from other sources. Um, you know, the, those two, so Andrew Jones had 20 points in the game against Texas Tech. Nobody else was in double digits. They shot 28% uh, Texas did from the field. And they have had other games like that where they kind of just struggle to score sometimes. Um, and that really concerns me heading, you know, heading forward. I do think Texas is, Texas is a good team. You know, they have a win. They won their big 12 SEC challenge game against Tennessee. Um, you know, uh, yeah, yes, they have struggled against Texas tech, but I do think the emotions that Texas tech brings into that has brought into those games, um, have really carried them. Uh, and I do think Texas, you know, not a team that you're going to want to play, not necessarily sure where they're going to fall on the bracket, um, but you know if they come across a, you know a good defense, a really good defensive team, or if they come across a team that can get them into a track meet, um, 
you know, that may be something that you want to avoid uh, when you're filling yours out this year. Let's go back to the bubble teams. Um, I think TCU should get in. Um, I, I agree. I think TCU is pro is probably the most secure of those teams. They are five and seven in conference, but they still have six games left to go. Two of those against West Virginia, and they have some opportunities to pick up wins against Texas, against Texas Tech, two against Kansas. Um, yeah, I think if they go three and three down the stretch here, and then maybe win a game or two in their tournament, yeah. they'll be fine. Um, here's the team that's really polarizing, apparently, on Twitter. Uh, who the hell knew that Iowa State basketball had fans? Um, as and, and who knew that they were fans of our podcast, too? Even even greater. Um, yeah. I'm going to badmouth Iowa State here for a second. I think this team should not be in. I get they had a good uh, non-conference schedule, but when you look at their non-conference wins... Um, their best win, I think, was against a railing or reeling uh, team in Memphis at the beginning of the well, season. Well, I mean, you look at it. They, they let's look. I mean, let's look at it. They, they beat Xavier, who we'll talk. We're going to talk about the Big East here next. Xavier, I think, solidly in the tournament. They beat Creighton, a, a Big East team that's on the bubble, but still a solid team. And then they beat Iowa by 20 points. And Iowa, I think, you know, they Iowa snuck back into the top 25 this week. Again, I think another solid tournament team. Um, but see, so you can't you can't follow those up with like blowout losses to West Virginia yeah. and blowout losses to teams like Kansas State. You know, I get they beat Missouri, but I'm pretty sure everybody's beat Missouri this year. Yeah, um, the, the, it, the, they had a rough start. To the to their conference schedule, they're five and nine only. But you know, a if like eight wins in the Big Ten, seven wins in the, in the Big Twelve, like may be good enough this year because like the Big Twelve is that deep. And I do think they have they have had two back to back big wins at TCU against Oklahoma. They have a game Wednesday versus West Virginia. They have a game against Kansas State on Saturday with a Kansas State team who I do think is close to being on the bubble as well. Um, you know, they they basically they need to win their next three, and then, yeah. I, then I could safely say that they've probably done it. Um, mm-hmm. But if they, if they drop this game against West Virginia at home on Wednesday... Um, that, yeah, that could be some trouble. Or if they, you know, lose to Oklahoma State, who is, I think, 500 in the Big 12. But Yeah, and that's the, you know, Oklahoma State 6-8 and eight in conference, 13-13 and 13 overall. Yeah. That is the worst overall record in the Big 12 is 500 this year. Yeah, so I, what, I, I'm thinking if they drop any of those next three games, they could be in a world of hurt because – I, I, even with the injuries, I don't think they're beating Baylor at the end of yeah. the season. You know, that's going to be in Waco. I just don't see it. And then I think Oklahoma, they are really on the outside looking in right now at 4-10 and 10 in the conference. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they're going to have to. They'll probably have to win out. They're going to have to beat Texas Tech tomorrow. Um, and I would think they're probably going to need two wins in the conference. They're probably going to need to get to like the conference, the it's either like the tournament semifinal or the or the final in the Big Twelve. 
Yeah, I, I mean, they, they, you know, they got the Texas Tech game, like you already said, that's massive. You know, they really need to win out. And if they don't win out, I don't think they're going to get right. in. Let's, let's look at this. Texas Tech has not lost at home this entire season. That and is I, you very know, and, difficult to go into Lubbock and win. Oklahoma is going to need the Porter Moser gang is going to have to find something. Well, and I mean, historically, Texas Tech's never been an easy place to play. So that's uh, that again. That the writing I think is on the wall for Oklahoma. Exactly. That's a that's a long bus trip, for wherever you're wherever you're coming from in the Big Twelve. Um, let's let's move on to our next conference. We got the Big East here. Um, Big East, another strong year. Um, again, I think they're looking in like that four to seven range. Um, they have uh, they've had they have some a decent depth. Um, that we necessarily kind of haven't seen from them like the past couple of years. Like they've kind of been like a three, four bid league the past couple of years. Um, but I think they have a chance to get seven teams in. Um, the four that are definite, we have Providence, Villanova, UConn, and then I won't, actually I'm going to call it five. Providence, Villanova, UConn, Marquette, and Xavier, I think are pretty much locked on to the bubble. I think Villanova has, you know, they picked up a big win against Providence last week. They have another game against Providence as well as the game at UConn tomorrow. I think Villanova wins those two games and, you know, wins the Big East tournament. I think Villanova has a chance to be a one seed uh, in the, you know, in, in March Madness. Um, the two teams on the bubble, I think you have Creighton and uh, Seton Hall. Um, Creighton projected right now as the last team in the tournament. Uh, Seton Hall, a eight seed, which is, I guess, further off the bubble than I thought. Um, but the Big East has had some you know, very entertaining basketball this year. Um, Ed Cooley's squad in Pro- at, at Providence, 22-3. and three. On the year, their only losses, uh, a bad loss to Virginia, a blowout to Marquette, and then a overtime loss to Villanova. But you're talking, you're looking at a Providence team that has a win at Wisconsin, a win versus Texas Tech, a win uh, versus Vermont, who we're going to be talking about uh, towards the end of the show. Um, They're getting some really good scoring. Uh, They have some really good depth options as well. Um, you know, they've had, you know, Aljali Durham uh, transfer in from IU, um, Nate Watson averaging 14 points a game for them. Uh, I, I really like this Providence team, and I, I really think Ed Cooley has something has something going for him. Um, and I'm going to be very interested to see the rematch between them and Villanova on March 1st. I think that's going to be a must-watch game here uh as we head into the last couple weeks yeah you factor that in and i watched providence this weekend you know butler had them dead to rights up 19 late in the second half and they came back and won in overtime uh in hinkle Fieldhouse. not an easy place to get a win um especially like that you know another team that i think is like close uh, you know, on the bubble, and they need some help, uh, would be St. John's. I think everybody else is pretty solidly either on the bubble or in. Uh, but I think St. John's, you know, they, they would definitely need to pick up, 
you know, probably went out the rest of the year and then pick up a win in the Big Ten or the Big East tournament. My bad. Yeah, well, they have they have four games left in their schedule. They have Creighton at DePaul, Xavier, and at Marquette. So yeah, I think if they can go if three they can and find one a way there, to win at home against Creighton and Xavier, and then knock off Marquette on the road, you know, maybe get two wins out of those three games, and then as long as you avoid uh, slipping up at DePaul. Um, that's a team with, you know, a favorable tournament run that I, I, you're, you're right, could definitely get a, could definitely get a look uh, here going into the, going into the tournament. Yeah, and poor Georgetown, losers of 16 in a row. What, when was the last time we could say Georgetown was this bad? I mean, it's been. I mean, they did win, the, they did kind of have, they were shock winners of the Big East tournament last year. Um but yeah, you're right. Georgetown is a program that has struggled, uh, you know, really since John Thompson. John Thompson retired. Um, yeah, and you know, the, Georgetown right now is kind of doing what Butler has been doing recently, and that that they, uh, I think they've bitten off more than they can chew. Um, you know, obviously Georgetown's always been, I think, in the Big East, but the issue is is they are, I think, playing up standards when they need to be playing at their standards right now. Yeah. Um, um, I, and George, I, Georgetown basketball kind of reminds me of like, it, it's kind of in the same position that like Nebraska football is in. And I, I like that comparison. Here's you another. You have a lot of national media guys. You have a lot of media like, man, why isn't Georgetown better? But then you're not remembered. Oh, this isn't the 80s or the 90s anymore. Well, and I mean, Georgetown, you know, even when I was, you know, a, a youngling, you know, the last 20 years, um, has also had good teams. Um, but here, here's the thing that – here's the best comparison I think I have for Georgetown is they are like the Minnesota Twins of college basketball. Yeah, I mean, they – they they the la- they haven't made they made the final four in two thousand seven. Um, they have not been be they have not been to the Sweet Sixteen since. Did 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 they lose one year? I think they were in the two fifteen and lost like Florida Gulf Coast pretty yes, bad. They, yeah. they were the team. They were the team that got upset by Dunk City. Yeah. So I I that that's also you know, part of the reason why I remember. probably one of the most entertaining games I have ever watched. Period was Florida goes Florida Gulf Coast winning that game. That and the UMBC dismantled Virginia. I distinctly remember the restaurant I was at. I was on a bus watching that game. I was on a bus back from like Indiana State music competition, and we we were laughing our ass off watching this like no name team like dismantle Georgetown. It's really awesome. Yeah, I think the Big East is pretty set. I think, you know, at most they're going to get seven or eight teams. Eight's really pushing it. I think at most they're going to get seven. Um, yeah, I, I think seven. If they could get seven, that would be a success. I th- and I think that's probably where we're going to be unless, like, Creighton uh, like Creighton or Marquette like or Seton Hall fall apart. Yeah, and, you know, it would. I think it would take a miracle run from like uh, Butler to Paul really to even even yep. entertain an eighth team, I or St. John's even. Um, but yeah, we. I, I think the Big East. You know, I think again Providence. I think is actually the team to beat here. Villanova. They've looked really 
it, they've looked sketchy in some of these games they've played recently. Um, a little shaky here and there. Um, and then UConn also, you can never count them out of anything, it seems, uh, except in football. So, uh, you know, it's just like... Yeah, and this is, this is a UConn team that, to begin the year, they won a double overtime game at, uh, at or against Auburn. Uh, no, that was on a neutral site. Who Auburn will talk about, I think. Yeah, if we're not, we'll, we'll get to that. Probably like the second favorite to win the to win the damn thing. Um, you know, they have some okay wins. They do have a bad loss against West Virginia. Um, but like even that, I wouldn't even consider yeah, that a been, bad loss. You know, like bad. that's. They've won four out of their last five. Um, but you know they and they have a chance to get a couple, couple more decent wins here, um, go into the schedule. And I think you know UConn, kind of like Michigan State, yeah, always, tournament, you know, tournament time, man. always dangerous in the tournament. And they're they're 18th in Ken Palm, one of the more balanced teams, uh, 27 offense, 25 defense. Definitely a team to look out for. Yeah, I think it's time we move to the Big Ten. Uh, we're, I, I, I just want to get the monkey off my back. Somebody in Indiana placed a $50,000 bet today on Purdue to win the national title um, on FanDuel. Uh, if, if, it, uh, if it hits, if Purdue wins the national title, that customer is going to win like $650,000. So maybe they know something we don't, but that's a, that's a lot of money, a lot of faith in a team that, you know, really well, has. Yeah, let's let's talk about Purdue a little bit. I I still think Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten. Um, the one thing about Purdue, though, they are 13th in Ken Palm, and that is because they have they are the strongest adjusted efficient, offensive efficiency team in the country. They are 115th in defense. Um, and you're still, you're dealing with a team that I still, that still have, cannot play two, two of its best three players on the floor at the same time. Um, is the timesharing agreement between Zach Eady, uh, and Trevion Williams going to cost them in the tournament, Zach? I don't think so. I mean... I, here's the deal with Purdue. They are really good at being a finesse team. They are never going to beat you by getting physical. And that, it, it, that's kind of, that's you know, as we've seen, the way to beat a lot of these upper-tier teams other than Auburn is if you get really physical with them, you get their bigs in foul trouble early, they, they tend to really struggle to generate offense. Now, obviously, Purdue has, you know, who many people are comparing to John Morant and Jaden Ivey. Um, and I think that that's a fair comparison. He's super exactly. They, they have, and, you know, they have Zach Eady who could, I think, you know, provide a, you know, him versus like somebody like Walker Kessler. Very entertaining. They have probably the most dynamic big man in the country in Trevion Williams who can really do it all. Um, and then they have, uh, something very important. They have a, you know, 
somewhat, it, you know, the percentage may not. They've got like three guys who shoot 70% from three. Exactly. And they have a knockdown, a couple knockdown three point shooters, whether that's, you know, Sasha Stepanovich or Mason Gillis or, you know, Eric Hunter. Um, even Jay, even Jay Nivey can shoot. He's uh, exactly. he's like, kind of sagged off a little bit here recently, but I mean, I, I, I know he hasn't been playing a whole lot. He's kind of been in in Painter's doghouse, but like Brandon Newman is really good defensively. Um, you know, Purdue. I think really the cream of the crop of a Big Ten conference that could get upwards of nine teams in the tournament, depending on you know where the you know, where the, uh, where some of these bubble teams kind of end their season. And I know I'm watching one of them now, IU currently down five to Ohio State with about a minute and a half left in the first half. Indiana, I think, really needs that win. Um, but, you know, we go down the Big Ten. I think that there are seven teams that I think have, have really secured their place. Purdue, obviously, you have Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan State, and Iowa with the two teams on the bubble. And I do these, if you're going to look at who, if the first two teams that I think come to mind when I think of a bubble this year, Michigan and Indiana. Yeah, and I, it, it's crazy. You know, we, we talked about Rutgers last week on the podcast and how much I have this love affair for Rutgers and how hard they play. I am amazed, you know, how many people still say Rutgers should be out when they are 10 and 6, and I would argue one of the deepest conferences, you know, in America. You know, you're talking about 1 through 9 of 1 through 9 is tournament teams, and then you, you know, you still have to go to College Park in Maryland. You still have to go to Minnesota. Minnesota's never been an easy place for anybody in the Big 10 yeah. to play. You know, that Penn, that like Penn State like, you know, is is tough to play. At North Northwestern eight and six at home, you know it, it's tough to go up to Evanston and play. It, you know, obviously Nebraska is kind of a walk in the park for a lot of these yeah, teams. It, they just don't have the depth as some of these others. But you look at, I really think if you look at the top four in the standings, you look at Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Rutgers. One of the things that stands out to o, over other conferences is the amount of players that are like capable on those rosters. And I think this even extends down to like Ohio state and Michigan state um, as well uh, to a lesser extent. But, you know, Purdue has like a one through 11 of like all of these guys could play minute, meaningful minutes on a division one roster. Wisconsin has always been a team that divide and conquers no matter. And then you have a score, you have a 21 point a game score, like Johnny Davis playing in Wisconsin systems. Good night. You have, you know, a, a really like a the Illinois can beat you a few different ways. Kofi Coburn, potential national player of the year. They're getting, you know, 15 points a game out of Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier, Andre Corbello, Jacob Grandison, all providing really good guard play for Illinois. Um, even a team like Rutgers, uh, Ron Harper Jr. is – probably been like the X factor in the big 10 this year. Do you remember, um, do you remember the text I sent you the other day where I said Ron Harper jr. Is the next Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I, I have a feeling Ron Harper jr. Is going to go like 50th in this draft or, you know, 40, 40 to 50th. 
Um, and he's, you know, going to write, he's going to be like a, a starter in his second year, just because like he's, he's really gritty. Um, he plays st- uh, stunning defense, but also, you know, he's just a guy who can get you a bucket when you need him to, um, you know, as I, he, he is, he is probably the guy to go and gra- to go and get you a bucket in the big 10 this year. Yeah. Like, he's, he's honestly. been, he's been really good. Uh, obviously, you know, Highlighted, I think, by them knocking off the number one team, Purdue, uh, off his massive half-court three. Um, yeah, I, I, I like where the Big Ten stands. I think eight is probably the number that they're going to end up with. I think one yeah, of Michigan. I think it's going to be one of – it's going to be it's going to be like seven or eight. I think it's going to be either one of Michigan or Indiana – or they're going to find, or like both of those teams are going to be playing in the NIT this year, unfortunately. Yeah, and it really sucks because I think Indiana started off really hot, but uh, mm-hmm. they they hit they kind of hit a hit a wall here. Trey Jackson Davis have struggled a little bit. Yeah, uh, he, he, and, has, and, he has been him and Race Thompson have been kind of cold recently. Uh, you know, after uh, Trace Jackson Davis had his forty point game against. Uh, who was that? But he set the assembly hall record, you know, earlier this year. Indiana has lost their last four. Um, now is, know, is 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 Tennessee is uh, don't they have a couple of injuries too of guys who might come back later this season? Yeah, um, you know, like um, Rob Fennessy has been beat up a lot of the year. You know, they it, it so. For the, obviously, they had that disciplinary scenario against against Northwestern. That's a game that uh, they really should have won. Um, yeah, that, that that was a game they blew. Let's not call yeah. it what it is. They... I mean, but you're talking about um, you know a, a guy in Trace Jackson Davis who he he went and he got 30 in that loss in their last game that lost to Wisconsin. But if you look at his the three games he had coming into that and their losses. Three for nine against Illinois, uh, four for 13 against Northwestern, five for 13 against Michigan State. Um, you know, obviously, he only played 11 minutes again in that win against Purdue. So it's like this is an Indiana team that can win without him, without him um, producing. But this is a guy who was a, you know, preseason All-American. They are going to need him to step it up down the stretch as they go into halftime down five. Uh, against Ohio State in Columbus. Um, one of the other things I really wanted to talk about in the Big Ten real quick was you are going to be tempted to put Michigan State deep in this tournament because Tom Izzo is the master of March. Um, I'm telling you now, don't do that. I do not think this Michigan State team has the... They don't have a guy. I don't think they have the depth. They don't have the guy to, you know, to really make another deep run. Um, you know, if, if we look at bracketology at the moment, if we look at where Lenardi has them as a five seed, if if they end up as a five seed, I'm probably going to pick that five twelve upset. Yeah, I I'm so with you. I, again, this is a team. They have Gay Brown, who has been playing really well this year. Um, you know, the, the, the senior leader for them, uh, averaging 12 points a game. But then you have 
you know, Malik Hall, Max Christie, Marcus Bingham, Joey Hauser, you know, there's not really that number two guy. They are one and four in their last five. I, I do worry about them coming down the stretch. They have a game at Iowa. They play Purdue. They have a game at Michigan, at Ohio State. Um, this could be a tough, uh, a tough stretch for them, um, even as they are ranked 27th in Ken Palm. But nothing about Michigan State really just kind of knocks you back or like really makes you makes you look, uh, makes you take a second look at this. Yeah, you know what's funny though? There was a Michigan State team that was like that, oh, I don't know, eight, nine years ago that ended up making the final four, if I remember correctly. So like, you know, it, I think again, it's going to come down to can Izzo have another Magic March run? And I think he's perfectly capable of. Um, but, but, but I think it's time we move on to the Pac-12 here. Um, yes, let's do. Um, Pac-12, probably the top, the most top-heavy major uh, power conference. Um, I think you are the, you're, again. You know, you're looking at a Pac-12 conference that has been down historically. Um, but you know, you're looking at a Pac-12 conference that had USC. Um, it really felt like it, you know uh, had an elite eight run last year, um, where they really gave um, really gave it their all to make it there. Um, you know that they you have a, a a UCLA team who obviously made the final four last year. And let's then, not forget. Let's not forget Oregon State, man. You know Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State. You know made the you know made that uh, deep run. I got I got I want to start there. Twelve tournament and then they uh, knocked off Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Loyola Chicago, and really almost knocked off Houston to get to the Final Four. Um, not as good this year. They're sitting at one and 14, three and 22 overall. But you know between USC and UCLA, and then really who I consider a dark horse national championship threat, the Arizona Wildcats. Um, I think those are going to be your three locks for the uh, NCAA tournament. And then I would, I wouldn't count out Oregon. They have a chance to pick up a, some really good wins. They host UCLA. They host USC. Um, I think Oregon could potentially sneak in and maybe even Colorado, depending on how uh, if Colorado can get a win against Arizona and then, um, you know, maybe knock a team uh, off a team or two in the, uh, in the Pac-12 tournament. This is a conference that I love watching, um, not just because I'm a huge Bill Walton fan, um, but this is a conference that I do think is on the, is on the upswing. Um, Tommy Lloyd, probably national coach of the year at Arizona. Um, you know, he take coming out of the assistant job at Gonzaga. They are 24 and two. Their only losses uh, at Tennessee in a four-point game at UCLA. Hard to play in Pauley Pavilion. Um, they have a lottery pick in Benedict in Benedict Maturin. Um, they are getting some really good. They're getting. Uh, they are a really good team, and this is a team I, I think. Dark horse, depending maybe depending on how their um, you know their region breaks, 
I think they are probably going to be a one seed um, here at the end of the day. And I do think they are a final four national championship contending team. Yeah. And really, you know, to me, I think, you know, as you said, this is not only really top heavy, I think all three of these teams are elite eight threats. Um, UCLA, of course, there's Johnny Juzang, who's been there, done that. You know, he's hit the big shots. Um, USC just plays really sound team basketball. Uh, and I really like the way they've been playing here recently. And then, of course, Arizona has kind of been, um, I would say, flown under the radar as a 24-2 and team, um, which is crazy because I think they, they're number two in the men's polls right now. Um, but I think people are under are just not realizing how good uh, Arizona yeah, has been this year. Exactly. You know, this is a, we were unfortunately, you know, with Arizona, uh, we were robbed of that Gonzaga matchup that should have happened. Uh, at, that, that was, I believe, planned. But you look at Arizona, they have wins against Michigan. They have a win again, a 30-point win against Wyoming. They beat Illinois. Um, they, they, do have a win against UCLA. They do have uh, a win against USC. They do have a win a win against Oregon. Um, they did go, you know, blow out. Obviously, Oregon State not as good this year, but they have wins against Colorado. Um, and they are a team that has gone into the you know the Pac-12 and really succeeded this year. And like I said, I I really really believe this is a team that's going to go very far in the tournament. Same with UCLA. I think they're, they're very good as well. Um, you know, Mick Cronin uh, has that team playing really well. UCLA is very deep. Um, and I, I think they are, again, another threat to make another deep run. Uh, and just what you're right, USC, Andy Enfield has a really good team. They have wins against uh, at San Diego State. Um, you know, they are you know they haven't really been they haven't been blown out obviously they struggle against stanford for whatever reason um but they have you know really good players and isaiah mobley and boogie ellis uh drew peterson like almost had like had like a 34 35 point game uh against usc he has uh you know he almost like like fucked around and got a triple double or basically. So th that's another team. I think they're, they're built to, you know, make another deep run. Yeah. And the last team I want to head on is the Oregon ducks. Um, I don't, I don't understand this team. Um, they're out of conference schedules. Crazy. You know, they beat SMU one day, then they lose by 32 to the BYU. Mm -hmm. um, they lose by 29 to Houston at home. Um, they've lost to Arizona State and Stanford. Uh, but then they've, like, made it a game against Baylor, and they've beat USC at, on the road and UCLA on the road. I really don't understand them. Uh, they're going to have to win, I would say, three out of the next four. Um, yeah, I don't think they can afford to drop – either that Washington or Washington State game. Yeah, um, those are not easy I, I places to play. I do think they are going to have to beat one of UCLA or USC. Yeah, um, Washington. I think they're another team. You lump them in 
with uh, Indiana and Michigan as your really solid bubble teams. I actually put them more with St. John's just because of the inconsistency. Mm -hmm. Uh, That inconsistency, you know, getting blown out twice by Arizona State is not what you want to see out of a team, you know, making the tournament. So I I would put them right in that St. John's tier of like, you need a lot of work. Um, If you can win three out of four, you know, you're knocking on the door of the bubble. And a couple wins in your tournament just erases all that. Numbers but. aren't really on their side either. Currently, uh, 70 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Ken Palm. Uh, 63rd and net a little bit better, but you know they have a couple quad one wins. Um, but it's going to be a, a, you're right. Oregon probably needs a uh, a conference tournament run. Probably one or, uh, you know, again, like I said, I think they need to beat one of UCLA or USC, and then they probably need to score a knockout win against uh, one of those three teams in the conference tournament at some point. Um, that finishes up the Pac-12, so we're now on to our last major conference, the SEC. Um, again, very top-heavy, very deep, uh, ter- very deep team. I do think the SEC at one point – probably was on pace to get like 10 or 11 teams into the tournament. Um, I think the top half of the SEC has really pulled away from the bottom half. Um, And as we go down the list, Auburn, uh, number three team in the country right now, have been number one. Um, They have the triple-double machine in Walker Kessler. They have who I think is going to be the number one pick in Jabari Smith. Um, so you're looking at them as a national championship candidate. You have Kentucky, who I, uh, is a probably a Final Four national championship uh, contender as well, with uh, Oscar Shibway, who is averaging 16 points and 16 rebounds a game, um, which you love to see. You have then kind of the next tier of the SEC, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Alabama has been a little up and down this year, um, but I do think they are capable of really beating anybody in the country. Uh, it just, you know, just kind of needs to be their night. Um, and then you think probably the last team that is probably solidly in the tournament with LSU. And then I look at their bubble, Florida, who did get a very big win against Auburn. That's certainly helping them. Um, they have a, a game against Arkansas tomorrow, a chance to get another one. And I think if they win that Arkansas game, they're probably in. And then a team that is probably uh, more on the outside of the bubble, uh, Mississippi State, um, who I, I do think is on the outside looking in, but does have a chance. Um, and then teams are there out, but I think you have to look out for in the tournament. South Carolina has been under the radar. They are seven and seven in the SEC right now, which is is pretty impressive. They have a chance to win against Alabama and Auburn, you know, maybe go get a a road win. And then Texas A&M, who, you know, started really hot to begin the year. Um, You know, they had wins. They have a win against Notre Dame. Um, They had a close loss to Wisconsin, a close loss to TCU. And then, you know, started their non-conference schedule with a win against Arkansas before losing eight in a row. 
Um, but a, a decent team I, who I think, you know, it definitely deserves a mention. So you kind of already mentioned this. Jabari Smith should be consensus number one player in this draft. I, he just does it all, man. He's a really good defender. He's got Auburn playing well. And I the, the thing with Auburn is, you know, both their losses have came here recently. Yep. Both of them have kind of been these, like, heartbreak-type games, man. Uh, I just I, – I, I buy them, you know, this, this Florida game. They really shouldn't have lost. Um, but, it, you know, it's the SEC. Anybody can beat anybody. And, again, you know, their two losses are – you know, in conference or just, uh, you know, Arkansas on the road, tough place to play. And then, of course, in the swamp in Florida, you know, another really, you know, horrible place to play, honestly. Uh, Ty Ty Washington and Kentucky, 22 and 5. I like where they're at. My, my big question is what do you think is going to happen with teams like, you know, South Carolina and Mississippi State and even Florida to an extent where they're like, you know, I think Florida's probably the closest out of all those to get in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Texas A&M having the, you know, the minus conference record, I'm not a big fan of that, of course. And But, you know, you have South Carolina there, you have Mississippi State right there, both at 16 and 10, 16 and 11. I think, they're, I think it's close. I think, you know. Yeah, I think Mississippi State probably more so than South Carolina, um, you know, has a chance. Um, They play each other on Wednesday at South Carolina. That's probably going to be the decider for that SEC bubble spot. Um, But, you know, Mississippi State, they have, um, you know, some some decent, you know, they have a win against Arkansas. They have a win against Alabama. so you know that you, you they were had a, a cloak some single digit losses uh, at Kentucky, at LSU, at Alabama, at Tennessee. Mississippi State plays everybody tough. Um, you know, just kind of skimming over their schedule. It looks like they have only had one game inside the SEC decided by more than, or two games inside the SEC decided by more than ten points, and those were wins against South Carolina and Ole Miss. Um, so I, I look out for Mississippi State. They're going to be playing very tough uh, down, down the stretch here. And if they can knock off South Carolina at home, um, I think you probably put Mississippi State really, really on the bubble uh, and, you know, kind of let them go from there. Um, but, yeah, like, like I'm saying, like Auburn, national championship contender, Kentucky, national championship contender, I think Arkansas – Tennessee, Alabama can beat anybody they go up against on the right day. I think the SEC probably, you know, depending on where the brackets break, I mean, that's a conference that could probably get four or five teams in the Sweet 16, uh, depending on who gets hot. Yeah, and I I actually want to conclude our SEC talk with how soon after the season does Tom Crane get the axe in Georgia? Uh. If not already, I, mean, I think. When is their when is their last game? So their last game is their last game is March fifth at Missouri at two thirty p.m. Central. 
Um, I, I mean, you still got a fact. He'll probably Tom coach Green the. Will be, I, I think Tom Crane will be fired within 24 hours of them getting back to Athens after that game. I, th- I think he'll play. I think he'll coach in their SEC conference, you know, their conference championship game. But other than that, I. <sighs> yeah. He's done a really bad job down at Georgia. And then again, he had well, another. I, yeah, and it's, it's kind of the thing because, like, George, you know, he had. He's. Tom Crean is always going to be a really good recruiter. He was able to get Anthony Edwards, um, you know, somebody else to kind of hang on his recruiting hat, you know, with. Uh, he said uh, three number one or three. Yeah. Three number one picks from three schools. Right. Isn't that what I remember hearing? If I'm not mistaken, you know, he had uh, or yeah, he had like Dwayne Wade at Marquette. He had Anthony Edwards and then um, like top three or top five. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Depot and Zeller. Yeah. So he can, he can recruit with the best of them. Um, you know, I don't know what the future lies holds for Tom Crean. Um, Hey, you know what, man? I think, uh, I think a major, like one of these next few conferences we're about to go through a major or mid major conference is going to take a run at him. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of bounce back in, in that position. I think the sec has just been really, really tough the past couple of years. You know, I, I think one of the teams that might have another coach on their hot seat is the Butler Bulldogs. Uh, I don't think it's right. I think they should keep their guy. He's been pretty good. But, you know, that's a team where if Tom Crean was available because he got canned, I could see Butler taking a run at him because we saw his, you know, magic with a mid-major school like Marquette. Now, obviously yeah. – bigger stage but you know tom green had success at indiana he's got a lot of roots he, the man can recruit indiana yeah he's you know he's done it well um in the past and i think if butler fires their guy i don't think they should but if they were to fire their coach tom green would make a lot of sense um i just you know with the incident um bashing his players and assistants openly um, the Wayne, the Wade Mason incident uh, early this season. I think that there's a good chance he gets canned. He, I think he should have probably already been fired this season. But you know, Georgia doesn't want to pay severance for somebody not coaching. So, yeah. Um, well, it's not like Georgia. It's not like their athletic program doesn't have some money right now. So yeah, yeah, they they do have uh, all their money from Indianapolis. Um, Let's go ahead. We're going to take a break, uh, tell you about one of our beautiful sponsors, and we'll be right back after this. This podcast is sponsored in part by Fanatics. Fanatics offers the broadest assortment of fan merchandise and memorabilia worldwide from all your favorite leagues and sports, not just the NBA and NCAA like we talk about here, but also the NFL. And I'm in the market for some new Packers gear myself, and with Fanatics selection, I can choose between jerseys, t-shirts, and sweatshirts, even face masks, tailgating equipment, and stuff for my pets. And I'm leaning towards getting a nice sweatshirt myself. You can also shop MLB, NHL, NASCAR, and all your favorite soccer leagues around the globe. Order now and get free U.S. shipping on any and all orders over $29 using code 29SHIP. Again, that's 29SHIP, 29SHIP. And now back to the podcast. Welcome back. Uh, it's time to talk mid majors, right? We're uh, yeah, major, mid majors. Uh, we got a good good starting point. Uh, 
the, the I'm going to start with the major conferences. These are the conferences that you would think would get, you know, in that two to three bid range. Um, first is the A10, um, who I think, unfortunately, has to be up there with the ACC in terms of most disappointing conference. Um, the A10, I think, is pretty solidly a one bid league this year. Um, and that's including Davidson sitting at 22 and four. Um, the, you know, St. Bonaventure came into the season uh, ranked in the top 20. There was some hype around Dayton, uh, VCU, Richmond. And none of those teams have really been all that good this year. Um, and I, I do think, unfortunately, like I, I'm Davidson, unless they kind of, lose in their conference title game to like a, you know, like, like a VCU or a Dayton. Um, I think Davidson is probably on the outside looking in of the, of the NCAA tournament. I, I think they may need to win the A-10 because even now at 22 and four, they are basically sitting as a 12 seed uh, in the tournament. Wow. You know, this year kind of reminds me a lot of the year that Evansville went like 29-5 and and lost in the Valley Finals to, you know, last second heave from uh, Northern Iowa. In that a lot of conferences are so balanced that um, a lot of the at-large bids are going to be eaten up by teams that uh, lose in their, you know, conference semis and stuff like that. So... Yeah, there, there's so many bubble teams that we've kind of talked about. Um, he, here's one of the things, you know, with for me at least that I always think about when I'm thinking about the, the Atlantic 10 is that their conference tournament is a everybody can be everybody type of event. It doesn't matter how good you've been uh, historically against the team or that season. It's a very, like, there's, like, six teams there where, like, it's it's an absolute brawl for the, the, the you know, the only guaranteed bid. Um, you know, I know you kind of said you're down on the Spiders a little bit uh, in Richmond. Um, you know, VCU has been pretty consistent uh, this year. Dayton's been, I, you know, I think, you know, Dayton's been a weird team. You know, they've uh, had some injury issues. COVID caught them at a really bad time. And then, you know, Davidson really started out the gates pretty hot, but they kind of fell apart here uh, recently. Yeah, you know. The the two conference losses um, at home to VCU, not the best, even though it was just a two-point loss. And then at Rhode Island, again, it's it's hard to win on the road in college basketball, but – um, you know, you would think Davidson would be able to go in uh, and, and beat the Rams and take care of some business. Really, Davidson's problem is their defense. Um, you know, they have allowed some high-scoring games. You know, they are a team that is going to just try and outrun you, try and play the game in the 80s. Um, but that means their their opponent is going to play the game in the 70s. And if this, the offense isn't there, which it normally has been, you know, they are 12th in adjusted efficiency, but 192nd uh, in adjusted defense. So here's you know, my that's... here's my thing with Davidson. 
Uh, I've watched you know a couple of their games. They've been on ESPN Plus. I think that you know that they get they have a really awkward draw here. There's a couple of these bottom tier teams, um, like Rhode Island um, and Fordham, that have really good defenses, specifically zone, uh, which is something that Davidson has really struggled against uh, this season. Uh, I would be interested in looking at how Davidson's going to do against some of these more defensive-minded teams like your St. Louis, like VCU. St. Bonaventure is similar to Davidson is that they kind of want to get out and run a little bit. Um, and then Dayton, I really don't know how to describe Dayton's style of play. Um, they're kind of inconsistent as well. So I would be interested to see, you know, if maybe – you know, let's say David. Let's say Davidson wins out, loses in the finals to Dayton or VCU. Um, it's a close game. You know, maybe they can get two bids, but I, I, I think I, I'm inclined to agree with you that they're a one bid league this year. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, that's a they're pro- they'd probably be looking at, you know, a first four in, or I'm sorry, last four in type situation if if that's the case. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, they probably need to impress some people, um, down, down the stretch here. Um, next is what, again, I think could be another one bid league, um, kind of this to the surprise of maybe a lot of people is the American, um, Houston, you know, obviously coming off of that final four run last year, they have had, uh, they had a bit of a tough stretch, and I think they let a couple teams onto the bubble in uh, SMU and Houston. Um, but you know, again, they have they had a very uh, a, an amazing, really hyped game. Uh, they lost at the at the wire to Alabama. They have a two point loss to Wisconsin, but you know they have twenty point win against Virginia. Um, they have wins again uh, against Oklahoma State. Um, they have really outside of those. Uh, SMU and Memphis games have really looked really good in the American. Uh, and this is all without, um, you know, I, I think their best player in Marcus Sasser, uh, who was, who was injured earlier in the year. So this is, a, you know, a Houston team that has been impressive. Um, I'm not entirely sure if they're, if they're, uh, capable of making another deep run, but, you know, if you're going to talk about the bubble teams, you have SMU and Memphis, who um, I do think have outside chances to get in. SMU, they had a 16-point win against Memphis. They have a chance to um, go and play at Houston. They have a chance to pick up, I think, a decent win against Cincinnati. Um, and then, you know, you look at a Memphis team coached by Penny Hardaway. They obviously were extremely hyped coming into the year. Um, they had a win against St. Louis. They had a win against Western Kentucky, who had been good. A win against Virginia Tech, and then the losses started piling up. They had a four-game skid, you know, losing to Iowa State, losing to Georgia, losing to Ole Miss, losing to Murray State, um, and their nine and five conference record with losses, um, you know, to East Carolina and UCF and Tulane have not really been helping them all that much. 
Well, and you, you kind of mentioned it there, you know, you, that loss against Murray State, at least right now, doesn't look super bad on paper. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing with this conference is I miss the old Wichita State teams, man. I really miss uh, the, you know, Shocker Nation showing up and ruining people's day. Um, you know, I hate Keldon Sampson with the fiery passions of hell. Um, but he has done a lot of good for Houston. You know, it's only a matter of time probably before he gets caught, uh, you know, with recruiting issues again. But, um, (laughs) you know, I I will say this, you know, SMU, I would say I would put SMU in right now, Um, but I can see arguments for why you wouldn't. And another team I kind of want to throw on the bubble here, and it's only because I think they have the – chance to win win out um, and maybe lose to Houston the conference tourney is UCF uh, they had some COVID issues um, they've had some really weird games where they've had like players get hurt and then come back the next game things like that so I'm just and like they weird. do have a win against Miami which yeah. it, it was at the beginning of the year but that is an important but, you know those Wins matter, you know, whenever, and uh, they, you're right. They certainly have a chance. They certainly have a chance. Yeah, uh, and they also beat Michigan, too. Yeah, you know, they, they've got a decent out-of-conference schedule, um, and th- they're one of those teams where I would give them kind of a, a second look. Like, if I have, you know, if I, I've filled out a bracket and I've got uh, – you know, 58 teams filled in. What do I do with the last 10 spots? I would I would take a look at uh, UCF, especially, you know, if, like I said, if they can win, you know, three of their last four and then maybe get to the finals in their conference tournament, I think it would be really hard to keep UCF off this they, bracket just with definitely their... A chance, definitely a chance to play themselves into a bubble spot because I do think we kind of talked about it. The bubble is really... It's pretty open. It's 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 open, and yet it's like there, there's really only like four or five teams on the bubble. Um, and if like you know Indiana is still sitting, you know, in the next bracketology with a, you know, sitting on like the eleven line or the twelve line in the next bracketology, even though they've lost five games in a row. Um, I think that speaks to where the the, the bubble really is. Um, and I, I do think there is a team in the American that can play themselves into the tournament, you know, whether that is SMU or Memphis or UCF. Yeah, um, I, like, like, like you kind of said, I think it's a one-bid one team or one-big yeah. conference, but I could see as many as three. I don't think it would exceed that. SMU had, you know, I think SMU is the, the closest to being – uh, locked in, um, but I like I said I think UCF would deserve a nod over Memphis, uh, Tulane and Temple, uh, and then of course Cincinnati. Um, if yeah, I mean, you know Memphis and go. SMU still have to play Houston, and that is a chance for both of those teams to get a really marquee win. It, you know what happens to Houston if they lose both of those games too? Uh, I Houston's of, in. No, I, I know they're in, but what I'm saying is like. Does Houston, you know, I think right now they're uh, four or five seed. Does Houston drop to seven? 
Does they, yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would say, you know, if Houston loses those two games and then they don't necessarily have the best conference tournament, um, I could see them being bumped. I mean, they're on the five line right now. I could see them being bumped to like a six or a seven. Yeah, sure. could you imagine um, being the two seed with Houston as your seven seed? And your... I, I wouldn't like it. I'd be um, so pissed. We're talking about uh, potential seven seeds with a chance to ruin your day. Um, may I introduce you to the Mountain West Conference? Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the conferences that I think has been like way too under the radar. Like no one's talking about them. You know, a lot of the mid-major love has been coming in the form of like your schools like Loyola, who always gets, you know, hugs and kisses from the committee, Drake and Missouri State out of the Valley. Yeah, the a um, which is, you know, which what is down this year, you know. The, and then, of course, you, you can't throw out Murray State and Belmont. I think both of those teams have been, you know, exceptional this year. Exactly. Um, We're going to be talking about those two later. But if you're looking at a 7, 8, 9, 10 seed who's going to ruin – a top seeds day and i'm gonna tell i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna predict it now one of the the, the mountain west team the mountain west is going to have a team in the sweet 16 this year um they, I think, they, they've got three teams who i think should get in yes right? they, they have three locks in wyoming boise state and colorado state i think san diego state has a chance to play itself in as well san diego state winners of their last five and they have a chance. Now, there are two road games, but they do still play Boise State and Wyoming. Um, you know, they don't necessarily, you know, they San Diego State, they have a win against St. Mary's. Um, don't necessarily have anything really else on their non-conference, um, you know, their non-conference resume. But the fact that the Mountain West has been so good this year, I think, is a, is a boost for them. Um, and you're talking at Mountain West teams, Boise State, 21 and 6, Wyoming, 22 and 4, Colorado State, 21 and 4. Um, you know, Wyoming has wins against, uh, you know, they have, a, uh, again, not necessarily incredible, an incredible non-conference resume, but they did beat, they do have a win against Northern Iowa, um, a close loss at Stanford. Um, they beat Grand Canyon, who was in the tournament last year. They beat uh, they went to Washington and won. Um, this is a team, you know, Wyoming. Their, you know, Graham Ek has been really, really good. He has scored 25 points or more in his last four games. Um, I think he is a really good shot to win the Mountain West Player of the Year for Wyoming. Um, and, you know, you really can't cut out Boise State or Colorado State. Both of them have been, you know, all three of these teams have been flirting with the top 25. Um, and I, I think all three of those teams are going to are going to be in the tournament. And like I've said, one of those teams is going to knock a one or a two seed out in the second round if I had to bet right now. I don't well, know who that is, but I'm going to bet on one of them. Here's the other, like, interesting thing here is, um, you know, Wyoming's in a weird spot where they, no one's really talking about them, but they're 22-4. and four. They, you know, they, they've been just a very consistent team, 11-2 mm-hmm. uh, in their conference, uh, 846. They are, are coming off a loss 
a kind of a tough loss at New Mexico, um, but they do have a they do have an opportunity to really make up for it going to Colorado State um, and you know chancing to get in. And we're talking about you know the Mountain West, Colorado State, San Diego State, Wyoming are all in the. I think all four, actually, in Boise State too, are all in the top thirty or top thirty-eight when it comes to uh, when it comes to net, and they look really good in terms of uh, Ken Palm as well. They're all within the top fifty in Ken Palm. Yeah, here's another weird thing with this conference. You know, you know, UNLV historically has dominated, but I think their reign of like. You know, obviously, it's not the 90s anymore. It's no longer UNLV shows to run. Yeah, and UNLV, Fresno State, Nevada are not – and Utah State, none of those teams are really are, are really bad teams either. Yeah, um, I, you know, any one of those teams, I think, could still pull an upset, you know, get an upset bid in where they um, – you know, where they could easily – I don't know if they could easily win their conference tournament, but I, I do think one of those four teams could easily just make people's days upset and steal another bid away from uh, some of these uh, people in the bubble. But yep, um, the last mid major that we want to talk about, and again out west, and we've talked about them a lot. Kind of been, I, I would really call it like the story of college basketball this year is the West Coast Conference historically. It's been Gonzaga and friends. Uh, you know, St. Mary's has been good. BYU has been good the last couple of years. But if we're talking about a run, let's talk about San Francisco, who, you know, has really been uh, playing, has been playing really well the past two years. They have San Francisco. Let me go through their non-conference schedule. They have a win against Davidson. They have a win against Tosin, who is a really good team in the Colonial. They have a win against UAB. They have wins against UNLV and Fresno State. They have a win against Arizona State. And we have to give them credit for scheduling Loyola Chicago midseason to try and continue to, uh, you know, boost that non-conference resume. Now, they, San Francisco, they have struggled a bit in conference against the top of the uh, West Coast being, you know, Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Um, they do, they did split with um, BYU, but I do think this is a San Francisco team where, you know, the West Coast Conference tournament is really weird in that the top two seeds get like a bye all the way to the semifinals, and then you kind of have three and four in the quarterfinals. Um, it's kind of a wacky setup, but. You know, San Francisco, they have a chance to – let me start that again. My audio kicked in. You know, it's a bit of a whack. Uh, San Francisco, they have a chance to um, uh, pick up another win. You know, they, if they look good against Gonzaga, they looked really good against St. Mary's. If they could knock off St. Mary's or BYU again in the conference tournament, I do think that will put San Francisco – into the tournament um, kind of safely. Right now, they are an 11 seed. They are one of the teams with the last four buys. Um, you know, I think is, that should hold as long as they don't slip up against Pacific or San Diego. They already have a slip up against Portland. Um, but really, I think the team 
on the team that's um, outside, you know, the other team that's on the bubble on the West Coast is BYU. Um, BYU currently first four out uh, at the moment. And BYU, um, you know, they're actually currently sitting fifth in conference behind Santa Clara. Um, but this is a BYU team that has lost to Santa Clara. They lost to Pacific. Um, they did pick up, they did get a win against St. Mary's, which is important. Um, but they really need to avoid, I think BYU, um, if they lose to a team that's not Gonzaga or St. Mary's, I think BYU could be in trouble uh, looking at the NCAA tournament. Here's a here's an interesting thing. I know you said they have a slip up against Portland. Portland's won five in a row. They've kind of got a lot of momentum building here. Um, I think I don't think Portland will make the tournament by any stretch, but I do think they're going to make you know NIT or CIT people pretty pissed off to have to play against. Oh them. well, yeah. There's a lot like that's the thing. If San Francisco and BYU don't get in. I think both of those teams are, you could probably consider them to be like NIT favorites almost. Yeah. But I will say with the Dons, you know, I've been a big fan of theirs since I watched them play against Virginia just a couple of years ago on uh, ESPN two and beat them pretty easily. The coach I think is like seven years old. Um, he's super young. Um, and I, I find that fascinating bringing, you know, more young minds to basketball when college basketball, I think has traditionally been a pretty like experienced coaching, uh, kind of sport, you know, having more young minds in is always big. Um, and again, 21 and seven, you know, they have another game against Gonzaga. If they can get, you know, Chet Holgren in foul trouble and Jimmy yeah, in foul I, I trouble. Think, like I was saying, I think if San Francisco can get a win against St. Mary's or BYU in the conference tournament, and if they look good in that game against Gonzaga, I think San Francisco is in. BYU, I think, probably needs to – Make some uh, noise. You know, they, they definitely need to beat – St. Mary's or San Francisco in the conference tournament. I think BYU needs to get to the finals against Gonzaga to kind of have, have a chance at the moment. I would be really intrigued with uh, and what happens Gonzaga, with Gonzaga. Is this going to be the year for Gonzaga? I don't think so. You don't I, think so? I, you, I, I, Walter I, Keller could probably eat Chet Holmgren's lunch any day he wanted. Um, I I don't think I don't think they do well against they're like Purdue they don't do very well against very physical teams, um, and you know their first loss was against I think Alabama if I'm not mistaken. Um, Duke. Uh, sorry, Duke. sorry, Duke. Their second loss. Duke and Alabama. Their second loss against Alabama. I I remember Alabama just went right at Holgren and Timmy early. Mm-hmm. Gone in foul trouble and played just bully ball the entire game, and it got them so out of sync that they couldn't recover. And Duke did the same thing, but Duke also has you know three first round picks on their roster, and Alabama yeah. Alabama has like one guy who might be in the lottery, uh, and like a bunch of second round, maybe late first round guys, you know. So the, I will say this: there to beat Gonzaga, I, I do think they should get to the final four again, um, just depending on how the 
how their bracket breaks down. Um, you know, but but here's the thing though with Gonzaga, do you I, do you, you put them up against teams like Baylor, Kansas, uh, Arizona, USC? Um, they really have to avoid the teams that are physical. Um, yeah. If they they can't, they are they are in serious trouble. Uh, yeah. They, they they could easily see like a one eight matchup where you know well, that's I, what I wanted to bring up because if you look at like Joe Lenardi's bracketology at the moment, his eight his current eight nine matchup against Gonzaga would be Wyoming and Murray State. Two teams geez. that's Murray State obviously super good. Wyoming, Graham EK, we talked about him. Uh yeah. If I if if Gonzaga gets that draw, I would be so scared. I, I understand that they should beat them ten times out of ten. Yeah, and like but, even if you look at like Jerry Palm's bracketology, Boise State versus Davidson. I mean, this is a you have to say the this is probably the deepest eight nine field. In forever, I feel like like these eight nine games are going to be impossible to figure out. And if Gonzaga has one of those matchups, especially if they have a big man who can go toe to toe with Chet Holmgren, um, and you know if they have a way to kind of sh- get in, you know, to kind of sh- to shut down Timmy, um, that's going to be interesting. But well, I, I do I do think Gonzaga should be among the favorites. Another team that, you know, I, I don't think gets enough uh, buzz here, like as a potential Gonzaga upsetter, is Wisconsin. Um, I think Wisconsin is like a four seed, four or five. That's not a, that's not a yeah, matchup. Yeah, like if, if, you were to, if, if you were to look at just Joe Lenardi's bracketology for Gonzaga, they have, a, a, yes, this, a second round game against Wyoming or Murray State. They would have a potential Sweet 16 matchup against Alabama or Wisconsin. And then you're looking at, in the Elite Eight, UCLA or Texas Tech. Uh, that If you truly want to talk about a national title run, that could, that could potentially be, like, the best run from any team in Gonzaga. Just because that bracket would be stacked. Yeah, and, and again, I you know I I know why another reason why I don't like them winning the national title is like you, you get these mid major teams and they mm-hmm. get on a heater. You get those elite eight, final four, final two matchups, and you know you've already dog fought your way there. Dog fighting the last two spots, as we've seen with Loyola, uh, as we've seen with uh, some schools in the past. You know, really hard to do. Um, yeah. So. Um, and this is I, this is a year you know. Last year we talked. Last year the feeling was it was going to be it was you know Gonzaga and Baylor versus everybody. They got to the national championship. They you know proved us right. Um, this year I don't necessarily think we can say that there's one favorite. Um, even you know one or two favorites. Like, even if you look at like, okay, you know, if you ask me, Cam, who's going to win the national title this year, I could probably rattle off like seven or eight teams. 
And you know you're going to be wrong. Yeah, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue. Even if you look at the top 25, like Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Villanova, Texas Tech, Providence can make a deep run. UCLA can make a deep run. Wisconsin can make a deep run. Illinois can make a deep run. Like, ooh, it's it's truly wide open. Um, And... Speaking of speaking of things that are wide open, um, we have a couple conferences that we want to highlight real quick. These are going to be, these are your mid majors. These are the potential bid stealers. Um, first and foremost, we have Loyola Chicago in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, you know, Loyola Chicago, the, the Missouri Valley has been very, has been pretty good this this year. Uh, and Loyola Chicago does have four conference losses, two to Drake, one to Bradley, one to Missouri State. Um, I do think Loyola Chicago, I don't think Loyola Chicago is really going to fall out of the tournament. Um, they have a game against Evansville. They have a game at Northern Iowa to end the, to end the conference season. They're currently beating Illinois State at halftime right now. Um, but that's a team where if they don't get to their conference tournament final, or if they if they lose their conference tournament to a you know Northern Iowa, Missouri State, or Drake, um, that is a I think Missouri State and Drake really have a potential to steal a bid, and Loyola State could you know knock a team like you know Michigan or Indiana or Mississippi State or you know BYU San Francisco off the bubble um, because I do think the committee loves Loyola of Chicago um, they have a win against San Francisco so you already have the head to head they have two close losses against Michigan State and Auburn they've beaten Arizona State they have beaten DePaul they've beaten Vanderbilt um, they're probably in uh, but you do have to, I, I would say the Missouri Valley, you are going to want to pay attention to that tournament. Yeah, and I, I, I would say right now, you know, if you're going to put money on who's going to win that, I would put the money on Drake. Uh, they match up very well against Loyola. They beat them twice. I would say it's Drake's conference turning to lose um, this season. Ooh, interesting, interesting. I don't buy Northern Iowa. Uh, and I, you know, Missouri State, they always uh, tend to flame out in the conference tournament. But I, I, I think, I think Drake has a really good shot at winning that conference yeah. overall, just because they match up so well against the top teams. Um, they, and they have a really good scorer in Tucker DeVries, uh, a freshman who you're gonna you're gonna be seeing a lot of. I would expect Drake. Um, you know, obviously they had. Uh, they've had some tournament hit, recent tournament history. They have a chance to uh, be to step up because let's we we, we didn't really mention it. Um, Loyal Chicago is leaving for the Atlantic Ten next year. Um, Man, isn't think, that awesome? The A Ten is going to get even more. I think awesome that's going to be that's going to be a rising tide for the A Ten. Um, so someone's going to have to step up into the into the Missouri Valley, and that leads us into. Our next conference, which is the Ohio Valley Conference, this is a two-team race. You have Murray State and Belmont. Um, Murray State obviously ranked uh, 19th. They play the on Thursday, too. They, they have a game on Thursday at 9 p.m. That will decide who, if, if, 
which of the two gets in, I think. Yep. And then, but if we're talking about the Missouri Valley, um, they're adding Illinois Chicago and they're adding Murray State. Uh, so obviously, we probably would have liked to see uh, Murray State um, jo- hope Murray State play Loyola, um, you know, one for like a year in the Ohio Valley. But you know, Belmont, I think it's I think is sitting on the bubble as well. They if they could beat Murray State uh, on on Thursday. I think that's it's going to make things really interesting if the two of them get to the conference tournament. Belmont is going to have to beat Moorhead State. Um, they, they have three 21 teams right at the top of the Ohio Valley. Exactly. That's like the Ohio Valley has been has been very strong, and it's and Belmont and Murray and Belmont too is going to be in the Missouri is going to be in the Missouri Valley. So you're going. We're going to continue to see this Belmont Missouri State dogfight, uh, which will be which will be interesting. Obviously, that's going to clear things up in the Ohio Valley for Moorhead State uh, coming here in the future. And then they're also, I believe, um, you know, like Southern Indiana is going is if they do decide to class to move up from Division Two, um, you know, that's a pretty natural landing spot for them. Um, but that Missouri State, that Murray State Belmont game, is going to be must watch. Uh, I think Murray State is probably solidly in the tournament um, as long as they get to their to to the Ohio Valley Conference Final. Um, they they have too many quality, um, yeah. you know, non conference wins. You know, I understand Bellarmine can't get in, but that's a, that, that's a tough team there in Bellarmine. They've beat. They have that win over Memphis on the road. That's not an easy place to play, nor an easy team to beat. They played Auburn close early in the season. Yep. I um, like I like what Murray State's been doing, man. They've they, beaten they've beaten a team who we're going to talk about shortly in Chat in Chattanooga. Um, you know they the, the with, with a team like Murray State, the games that you want to pay attention to are out of conference games against like against like likely conference winners. Chattanooga, we're going to talk about them in a second. You know, is a really good team. Um, Middle Tennessee State is not a bad team out of Conference USA either, um, who we're going to talk about in a second. Murray State's there. Yeah, Belmont, they need uh, they need something going for them. Um, you know, they have a win against Drake. They have a win against Iona, who we're going to talk about. They have a win against Chattanooga, um, but a win against uh, a win against Murray State would really really kick their would really make their resume look very nice especially against weaker bubble teams from the power conferences and a down a10 and American um, the one of the next the met next two team mid-major uh, I want to talk about is the mid-american uh, Toledo and Ohio are I think uh, two really strong teams. Uh, Toledo has two wins against Ohio, but I do think um, those that's kind of the cream of the crop. You know, both of those teams have uh, 20 wins. Um, and I think that the, that's the, whoever wins that conference tournament, whether it be Toledo, Ohio, that could be potentially a scary 12 or 13 seed for whoever draws them. Uh, I'm not sure that I would be 
be too thrilled if I got them uh, in the first round. Well, and we've seen we've seen the Mac show up pretty well uh, yeah. recent tournaments. Buffalo a couple years ago. Last year, um, and you know Toledo has a guy in Ryan Rollins who can go out and get just about any basket he wants. Yeah, um, you know, and, and the other thing with the Mac is coming into the year. Yeah, we didn't know if Ohio was going to be able to repeat their dominance from last year. That was one of the question marks coming into the season, and they certainly have figured out a way to get back to their their kind of glory. Um, uh, Thirteen and three conference record, eight fifteen win percentage at twenty two and five. But a team that we need to keep an eye on are two teams, really Kent State and Buffalo. Both could make runs in the MAC tourney, and I think that you know. Kent State's won eight in a row. Uh, they kind of had a rough start to the MAC schedule, and their uh, out-of-conference wins aren't very good. But they've won eight in a row. They've got a lot of momentum. It, it would not surprise me if they made it all the way to the finals. And, you know, once you get to the finals of a conference tournament, you're playing with anything, house money, you know. Anything can happen. Um, last mid-major we want to talk about, again, this is another conference that has that could potentially have four 21 teams. The two I want to focus on in Conference USA, North Texas and UAB, um, both sitting at tw uh, 20 wins now. Um, North Texas has a win over Drake. Um, they are 13 and one in their conference. They have uh, they split the se the season uh, with UAB. UAB is a team. Um, they have a win against Moorhead State. They close loss against San, uh, South Carolina. Close loss against San Francisco. Close uh, loss to West Virginia. Um, this is another conference. I think much like the MAC, it's gonna it's gonna be a one team conference. Um, Ken Palm though loves is a lot higher on North Texas and UAB. North Texas sitting at 41st. They have a really strong defense. UAB sitting at 49th, top 32 in the country in terms of offensive efficiency. Um, UAB, I would say, I would probably pick UAB over North Texas, but this is going to be, whoever wins this conference is going to be a really dangerous 12 seed. Yeah, um, not only that, you got to remember North Texas. I think they've won 12 in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And another big thing with North Texas is, you know, their early season struggles are not indicative of what kind of team they are. They lost early to Buffalo. Um, then, you know, literally, you know, a week and a half later, played Kansas pretty much down to the wire until it came down to them fouling for free throws. Uh, they played Miami of Florida, Miami, Florida down to the wire. They beat Drake on the road. They beat UMass. They beat Wichita State on the road, which isn't what it used to be, but that's still a good, you know, non-conference road win. Obviously, I, I, I would honestly give the nod to North Texas um, just because I think defensively, yeah, they are an elite team. Um, and th they, they kind of play very similar to Virginia has in recent years where we're going to race to 60 and whoever gets to 60 first will win. Um, but in some of these games, you know, they've been holding opponents to, you know, you yeah, if you if you look at their recent games. They are not allowing more than 60 points. Yeah. If you can play really elite defense in March, you're looking pretty – you're looking very strong. 
Right, and I mean, you know, some of these games that they've been winning um, are not, you know, games that are easy. You know, Western Kentucky on the road, Marshall on the road. Those are kinds of games that, you know, you'll see a lot of, like, major schools slip up against um, just because, like, you overlook Western Kentucky, uh, which, you know, if you're overlooking the Hilltoppers, you obviously haven't done your research. But, you know, you're overlooking Marshall on the road. Those kinds of games are the ones that you often will see major schools slip up against. You've got to beat those teams if you want to beat, if you want to get yourself in. And they've done that. Their last game that I would be slightly nervous about, um, you know, I, I, they, they, they just beat UAB on Saturday. There's only one more game that really kind of freaks me out, and that's the Texas-San Antonio game on next Thursday. And the only reason, or two Thursdays from now, wow. Uh, only reason why it freaks me out a little bit is Texas-San Antonio always plays spoiler somewhere. They always find a way to pick up a win where they shouldn't. Um, and I, if I was North Texas, I would take that game very seriously. Not saying they won't, uh, but that is one of those games where just because you dispatched them by 25 last time, that's at home. You're not, you know, playing at their arena is totally different. And one of the things, like I said, late in the year, that's one of those teams I would hate to play uh, if I was in their conference. Yeah. So. Zach, we're going to take one final break. Uh, we're going to talk about some other teams to look out for here in March. Uh, we're going to talk a few awards. We're going to and then wrap things up from there. Uh, we will be back in a second. Please. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to our one one month away from the tournament college primer. Um, we've given you the we've given you a shakedown of the power conferences. We've given you a shakedown of the majors and the mid majors. I'm going to tell you, I got five teams that you should be looking out for. These are going to be teams that are probably going to be sitting maybe on the 12 seed, may, probably on the 13 seed. They're going to cause some problems for somebody. The first team that I have is Vermont out of the America East. Um, Vermont has been a pretty strong team out of the America East. They have made it to the... Uh, two or three of the past tournaments, they got upset by Hartford last year. Um, you know, they only ha they have the uh, one loss against Hartford in, in the conference tournament. Hartford is a team that um, purely for financial reasons is going down in D3. But Vermont is, is a team that you got to look out for. They have a win against Northern Iowa. Uh, they have a win against Yale. Um they are going to provide, they always cause some problems. Um, if you remember their last tournament, they're, uh, like I said, they, they have been all over the America East recently. Um, and I, I do think that they can uh, give a four seed some serious trouble uh, here in the tournament this year. Their last, their last NCAA tournament appearance, 2019, they played Florida State and only lost by seven points. Um, so that's a team that you're going to look out for coming off that 13 line. You know, that that's one of those teams where um, they are, again, just a really physically dominant team. Um, they don't play with a lot of finesse, so they'll turn the ball over. Um, but they're not going to outrun you. They're going to just pound the ball inside, and they, they kind of play – 
Uh, similar to how Purdue plays when Travion Williams in the game and how they'll, they'll basically go four out, get the ball inside, he finds somebody else. Yeah. Um, they, they, got, they got a big boy inside in Ryan Davis, 6'8", 250 pounds. Yeah, and he's, he's a rebounding machine. I, I know what you're thinking, 6'8", really not that, that big, but I've literally watched him get four or five offensive rebounds in one possession, just like – uh, you know, he's one of those players that you should definitely be, you know, watching. Um, and one of those teams you should really be watching. Just kind of watch how they play. If you're a high school coach out there, you want to emulate a way a team plays. Vermont's one of those teams I would be looking at, uh, especially if you have a big guy who is, you know, really good rebounder. Absolutely. The next team I want to talk about, the number two scoring team in the country uh, out of the Summit League one of the only teams that is undefeated in conference play um, and a team that is always a threat to turn a game into a track meet is the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Um, this is a team they uh, dropped 88 on Alabama. Um, they've dropped 100 a couple times this season. Um, I do believe they, they will have to get past Oral Roberts, who obviously um, made that run last year in the tournament. Um, but they have they have a, their, their next game against Oral Roberts is on Thursday the 24th. They had a three-point victory in their first meeting, or a six-point victory in their first meeting. Um, South Dakota State win against Bradley, a win against Stephen F. Austin, who has been a good team, who has been a tournament team. They have a win against Montana State, who I think is going to win the Big Sky. Um, it, not, not, not to forget, they beat George Mason at home, uh, lost close to Washington, and they blew out Nevada. Now, I know Nevada's having a down year. Yeah, but um, this, is, this is a team 13th in offensive efficiency. Um, definitely a team to look out for. Again, they are going to turn, a t- they are going to turn their co- a tournament game into a track meet. And if they're on, anything can happen. They haven't lost since, I believe, uh, December 15th. Uh, and one of their wins right before then was at Washington State. Again, another tough place to play. Uh, and if you can pick up a win there, you can pretty much hang with anybody. Exactly. Uh, our third team, um, I've, I've kind of got to give it a little bit of a joint shout-out. Um, I do think the Colonial uh, is a you know is kind of like a, a, a two horse race between um, UNC Wilmington and then this team is uh, Tosin. Um, you know they have a lot of cl- really close losses. Um, you know close loss to Pittsburgh, ten point loss to San Francisco. They do have a win against New Mexico, single digit loss against Ohio State, win against Kent State. Um, 12 and three in their conference right now. Uh, again, that one loss to you, they split with UNC Wilmington. Um, but this is a team, they're 44th in offensive efficiency. Uh, again, if they get out, if they get out of the colonial, um, you know, probably looking at like a 13 or a 14 seed. I think that is a, uh, that is a game, you know, kind of depending on the matchup where, um, you're going to have to look out for Tosin. Uh, another team. Out of the Colonial, I really like is Hofstra. I know you didn't mention them there. They've won six in a row. Um, one of the things with Hofstra is they've always been really good late in the year. Uh, they close out the year. They have Elon at home. 
uh, William and Mary at home, and then Charleston at home. So four straight home games to wrap up the year before they go into the conference tourney. Building that chemistry on your home court before you go into the conference tourney is a big deal. Yeah, and they're already on a six-game win streak. Yeah, that's um, that's a lot of momentum going into a conference tournament. Um, yeah, and, and I mean they've already beat UNCW. Um, you know their game against Tosin was pretty close, but I I, I like how they play. Um, yeah, averaging if you average seventy-nine a game, you got a chance against uh, pretty much anybody. And not only that, they do have, you know, a couple of really strong out-of-conference wins. Um, you know, early season, they lost to Houston, uh, but then they went and they beat Duquesne pretty handily. They lost a close one to Iona, who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute. Lost in College Park to Maryland by two, but then they pick up a win against Detroit, Princeton, uh, and then a Big, and I mean a massive win on the road in Arkansas. Not an easy place to play, as we saw Auburn lose there just a week ago. And beating Monmouth on the road to follow that up. You think you might come off a little bit of uh, a little bit of your high of your season there, uh, but they continued to win that. I, I, I like the way they play. We'll see if William and Mary can knock them off again. But I, I, I think Hofstra is a team to watch out for too out of that conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, our second to last team we're going to be talking about, we've mentioned a few times, they have been uh, on, a, on a, the losing end of a, of a few close games, but Chattanooga, um, you know, I think is another, is another team to look out for. Close losses against Belmont, close loss at Murray State. Um, they have some, obviously, probably not the, you know, no, I, I wouldn't necessarily say any true win um, that they can really hold their hat on uh, outside of a road win at VCU. Um, but they have looked pretty good in the uh, Southern Conference. They have lost their last two games. Um, they do have a chance to kind of clean up their schedule. Um, and I, I, they do have, a, uh, I, they have two wins against Furman, who is their closest competition. Uh, in that conference, but that's another team, you know, uh, Lenardi had them at certain points in the year as potentially a 12 seed. Um, so I would keep an eye on them, you know, to, on, on what line they end up getting in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest here, I've not watched a lot of uh, SOCON this season, but I, I will say this, I did watch a game with a friend of mine, we watched the Western Carolina school because uh, he was a graduate there. So shout out to Taylor if he's listening to this uh, three hours in. Uh, but uh, I will say this. It was really awesome to watch, uh, you know, the Western Carolina team. I think they beat Citadel, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, 4-12, and 12, they're not going to do anything. But, you know, that's the only SoCon action I've caught this season. And then the last team to watch out for from this, like, 13-14 range is going to be Iona, the Fighting Rick Patinos out of the Metro Athletic Conference. Uh, Iona is a team they made headlines last year. They almost beat Alabama in the tournament. They scheduled Alabama and beat them this year. Um, they have a close loss to Belmont, a close loss to Kansas, a win against Yale. Um, They're sitting at 14-2 and in their conference, 22-5 and overall. Uh, win against Liberty, a win against Hofstra, 
Um, this Iona team, you gotta, gotta, gotta look out for them. They are, again, going to be, uh, they're going to give somebody a headache. And Rick Pitino knows, I, I know we talked about, um, you know, Michigan State making runs. You know, we've talked about other teams that are good in March. Rick Pitino is very good in March. Well, yeah, and let's not forget, like, a lot of their losses have been one or two points other than the Kansas loss. I mean, you look at the St. Louis game, I think that was one on a last-second shot. You look at, um, you know, even some of their games they had canceled. God, I would have loved to have seen Iona play Seton Hall. I would have loved to have seen that game. I think that that would have been another, you know, major game for Iona to get some confidence there. Um, With this team, you know, again – they can beat you in multiple ways. This team is the most like most Purdue team out of every other team in the nation. They can beat you by slowing the game down, and it's a race to sixty-five to seventy. Um, and then they can also speed the game up and outrace you. Uh, we saw that in their game against Monmouth, where they dropped eighty-six to win. Manhattan, where they had to drop eighty-eight to win. Fairfield, where they had to put up eighty. But then we've also seen them play games where it's 65-53 or they're holding Liberty to 50 points. Rick Pitino has always done this where, you know, especially when he he was at UofL where he would have games where they win 50-37 to and then the very next game win 90-73. to And it's just, you know, he he always makes these teams that can flip a switch. Uh, And I I, I like Iona. one team we haven't mentioned that I think is going to be a major headache, as they always are when they get into tournament play, is Cleveland State. At this point, I would say the favorite to win the Horizon. They're 19-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, The thing with Cleveland State is, again, they're just one of those teams that will beat you at all three levels. Um, they like to play a lot of full-court press. Um, that modulates into zone as they, you know, get into the half court. Um, and, and another big thing with them is they have guys who just go out and get a bucket in clutch situations. They'll have a tough test with Purdue-Fort Wayne uh, and Wright State both, uh, but I think it's Cleveland State's conference to lose. And if they get in, they're going to be a 215 or a 314. That's another team where I look at them and I say, I really don't want to play you. Um, just because, you know, they have the tournament experience, uh, the tournament pedigree. And they, again, they're, they're kind of like a gnat, you know. You swing at them a lot, and uh, they, they never go away. Um, and I think really the last team that I think uh, we should really think about um, is a team that – a conference that I have really lost – any carrot, and uh, that's the Atlantic Sun, um, because the team I had a lot of stake in, Bellarmine, obviously can't be in postseason contention. Um, even though UIC can, and there's some weird rules being shifted around the Horizon League for UIC, uh, the Atlantic Sun says no. Yeah, to- I, I hate I hate the conferences that have been doing that. Um, the Colonial is doing that to James Madison. Um, you know, James Madison sitting at six and 10, probably not a threat to, uh, you know, Wilmington, Tosin or Hofstra, but with, in the, in the era that we live in with these, um, you know, really constant, the, the, the constant shift 
uh, of conferences, you know, really either driven by football or, you know, chasing some competition, maybe like Murray State and Belmont are. Um, I Let the kids play. Like ex excluding teams from conference tournaments is not a good look. Um, let the kids play is really all I have to say. Bellarmine obviously is in a bit of a different situation. They're transitioning from Division Two. They still have another year to go. Um, but it's a shame. It's yeah. a shame. I think Bellarmine made the ASUN conference tournament final last year, and then Liberty kind of just got the automatic bid by default, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing, man. When Bellarmine jumped... They were probably the most ready a Division Two team has been when they made the jump. Um, and kudos to those kids, man, because their first year, I think they went like six and nineteen. They kind of struggled to find their path. Nobody would schedule them in non-conference because it was like one of those games where like it wouldn't mean a whole lot, uh, even for confidence boosting and things like that. Uh, and then this year again, they've they've looked really good at times. Um, but the team I want to focus on is Liberty. I understand uh, ten and three, uh, probably not even the favorites to win their conference. But some of their wins have been really big. They have a UNI. They have a win against UNI on the road. They've played close with teams like uh, BYU, um, LSU early in the season uh, until foul trouble kind of got them. But they blew out Missouri at home. This is one of those teams where if they get hot and they've kind of been there here recently other than a slip up against North Florida and Jacksonville. Yeah, I, 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 I like where this team is going. Yeah, um, and it doesn't hurt for them to have a 23 point a game score in Darius McGee. Yeah. They, they and they play, they, they play pretty good team basketball. I, I would say I would, I would like Liberty in a lot of, uh, you know, four versus 13 matchups um, where, you know, maybe they're getting like, um, you know, maybe they're getting a team like Wisconsin or something like that, where they they can also play this team bully ball. Uh, I would I would like to see that. I, I think they they can do it. And I I wouldn't be shocked if they did uh, pull off an upset like that. But that's really the last one I have that I wanted to hit on. Yeah, um, and that's pretty much about it for our our conference or our college basketball wrap up. It has been an absolute journey. Thank you all for joining us. Zach, is there anything that you want to finish on? Anything that we didn't cover? Yeah, uh, I actually want to talk about the women's side real quick. Um, probably doesn't get enough press how much fun um, the women's uh, side of college basketball has been this year. Um, there's no, like, outright, like, guaranteed to blow out everybody team this year. You know, in the past it's been UConn or – uh, teams like that, I I would be shocked if you know South Carolina is twenty five and one still won the title this year. There, there's just not like a team that's like that physically dominant or that outclass you know that that much capable of outclassing everybody. Um, you know we we have IU who's a ten, who's currently in tenth at nineteen and five. They look like they're going to cruise at Iowa. But there's also a lot of teams uh, on the outside looking in. Um, IUPUI picked up a loss 
uh, this past weekend against Wisconsin Green Bay on the road after playing six games in a row on the road. That's a really tough schedule uh, to finish your and, year. And Green on. Bay, that's a that's a good women's program that they have up there. Um, and in doing so, uh, they 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 didn't receive any votes uh, this time around for the media poll. But the one thing is, is I, I will be talking with um, Macy Williams of the IUPUI women's team. Talk about their overtime loss to Michigan, their win at Iowa, first uh, win over a top twenty-five team of all time for our program, um, and then her, you know. Thoughts on, uh, you know, this coming tournament because, you know, her and I have talked uh, off camera before about it. She's like, yeah, you know, I think we can beat pretty much anybody if we get a matchup with these teams. And you see that when you literally the only team with one loss is South Carolina. Everybody else is three, four, five losses, even historically dominant teams. Tennessee at 21 and 6, UConn at 19 and 5, U of L 23 and 3, um, Notre Dame, who you know has been as high as you know number two, number one in most recent seasons, 20 and 6 this year. I would put a lot of mid-major schools in conversations uh, to go knock them off. BYU 23 and 2, I think is the number one uh, rated mid-major school. Florida Gulf Coast is 24 and 2. They have been on a roll here recently. I think they won like eight, eight in a row. Um, even schools like Princeton, UCF, um, Liberty, Toledo, Dayton, all these schools, they're going to be in these like 5-12s. They're going to be in these 8-9s. They're going to make a lot of noise. They're going to give some hell to some of these bigger programs. And it can't go understated enough. If you like basketball, um, you should be watching some of these teams, IUPUI. They have a team that switches five out. Every player can guard all five positions on the court all the time. They're one of the few teams I've ever seen in women's basketball do it that way. If you really like physically dominant teams, go watch South Carolina. Um, If you want to watch a track meet, watch Iowa play basketball. They're a women's team. Uh, They've got a couple of players on their team who like to shoot from the logo pretty frequently. I would check out Iowa's women's team. If that's your kind of thing, but really, uh, that's all I had was kind of a plug that inter- plug for that interview coming up, and then also, um, you know, some other content we'll come have coming out where uh, we might get Mark back on to chat about the NBA when we get, you know, when the NBA resumes, and then, uh, yeah, man, we're like what, three weeks away from conference tourney starting, or two weeks away, and then. Like, let's go, you know. It's going to be fun. It's, 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 this is my favorite time of the year, Zach. It, I, it, you know, the trade, NBA trade deadline is literally like Christmas in February, and the March Madness is like the entire Christmas. Christmas. This it's is a, like Christmas, your birthday, and Halloween wrapped into one. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, it's like sports lover's dream. Uh, I will say this, you know. I think IU is going to pick up another close loss here in the Big Ten. Looks like uh, to Ohio State. So. Yeah, down five with forty-seven seconds left in overtime. Looks I, like I've been watching this game on my other on my other monitor. IU has just not gotten anything to fall. Ohio State has gotten a lot of the bounces in this game. It's if if Indiana does lose this one, it's it's going to be another 
rough loss for them, dropping them to 16 and 10. Um, and then you're talking about really, I think, three must-win games, Maryland versus Maryland at Minnesota and then versus Rutgers for Indiana to uh, really, I think, stand a chance. To get yeah, and, I, and that Purdue game. Is I think be- Michigan – Michigan, if, if Michigan loses a few games, that's good for Indiana. Um, but, oh, a little bit of interesting here. We have a technical foul on EJ Liddell. I'm not sure if anything is going the Indiana way. But, uh, oh, yeah, double technical here. So, with that, again, guys, thank you for listening to our college basketball prospectus, our, our college basketball report. Uh, uh, you know, term paper here. Um, we're going to be dropping some more, co- hopefully dropping some more college basketball stuff, um, you know, from here to the end of the year. Follow us into the tournament. I'm, I'm sure we're, we'll be very active on social media there. But, Zach, thank you for joining me. Thank you for allowing me to produce this episode. And uh, I'm, I, I hope you do a good job editing it. Yeah, I mean, of course, editing's the uh, the fun part, right? Uh, but yeah, so uh, follow us on twitter.com backslash the sixth man pod, T H E E. We rebranded. We're getting a new logo that will debut tomorrow. Doing the interview. Also, oh, what, one quick. Manu Ginobili, dedicated for, or nominated for the Naismith Hall, uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. We love to see it. Yeah, He's love to fan. see it. Six man, probably the greatest six man of all time. The six man. Um, It'll definitely be awesome uh, that he gets in. And, uh, you know, shout out to Greg Popovich for, like, basically (laughs) making, I don't know, like seven Hall of Famers over the course of his coaching tenure here. So, uh, anyway, that's going to wrap this up. And then, like I said, be on the lookout for other content from us, written content. You can find us on our website. We also tweet a lot of rambunctious shit. Have a wonderful night wherever you might be listening. And uh, go Hoosiers.